0: Greetings and salutations, all you sportsmen and women out there and conservationists all across New York State and the Fruited Plain. Welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport, coming to you from sagi Wanda, New York. That's right, sportsmen and women, welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport, coming to you on Anchor.fm, powered by Spotify. You can now get this podcast on Amazon Music, as well as on Spotify and Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Beacon, Free Radio, Pocket Casts, and of course, Anchor.fm. Hey folks, help support this podcast by donating to the cause, Uh, whether it's $2 a month, $5 a month, whatever you can afford as it helps me push back on the podcast propaganda in the news while providing conservation news and commentary along with sound science and conservation principles. And hey folks, you know, speaking of that commentary this is my show, it's my commentary, and it's my opinion. And it doesn't necessarily reflect any of the official positions of organizations I may be a part of. But if it is an official position, I'm going to let you know about it, okay? And also, the views expressed on this show may not reflect the views of this program sponsors and advertisers. Just so we are all clear but folks please spread the word you know it's a uh, just wrapped up Memorial Day I want to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day and uh, you know it was a great day of remembrance uh, for those who gave their lives defending the freedoms and our, that our U.S. Constitution guarantees every single American citizen and those freedoms are why many of us each you know each year you know there's many many people that do come to the united states uh legally each year for these freedoms um you know this is why we we remember these holidays you know that 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 are kind of somber, but are happy too, because you know we had people that stood up and felt strong enough to defend our nation to give that ultimate sacrifice in the cause of liberty, and you know it's a good thing to remember that. So I hope everybody uh, took the time to remember all those fallen heroes that we've had throughout this the uh, the history of our nation from our founding to uh, right now today, and uh, you know freedom isn't free, and you know it's. <sighs> is just an amazing thing to see and 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 really awesome to stop and think about all the different sacrifices and all the people that we never met the different races and creeds and 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 you know the men and women and young and old and and uh you know, from all walks of life uh, who gave our, their ultimate sacrifice for the defense of the United States Constitution and uh you know the liberty that it stands for, so you know thank you, thank you, thank you for all of those who've fallen and you know I hope that that we did have a happy day in remembering that despite that ultimate sacrifice being made, our freedom lives on for now um, you know obviously uh we can sleep in peace at night, wrapped in lady lady Liberty's blanket each and every night because of that sacrifice. Uh, as we briefly touched on, you know, at the last podcast, uh, as we jump right in here, uh, the 2021 deer harvest has been released by the DEC, and uh, we're going to take a little bit deeper dive into this, uh, the numbers this year. Um, you know, as there's much more than just the summary of the statewide comparisons to last year and the five-year average. And we're going to start, you know, digging into each zone and then, you know, kind of working our way through the report and examining the various different views gleaned from this effort. You know, this isn't just a, hey, this was the 2021 deer season. And, uh, you know, there were this many does and this many bucks taken during each one of these seasons. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's a lot more into it than, than. uh Than simply straight up, you know, what was actually harvested. Uh, There's a lot of work that goes involved in the check stations, a lot of biological information that's collected at the processors. It's really a total effort to get a good picture. Um, So it's certainly a lot more than just hey, uh, you know, this is what the hunters did, and uh, so be it. Um, You know, we did look and and start with that. Hey, hey, what is the harvest uh, at the statewide level? And we did examine and glean last year that. The statewide harvest was down nearly 17% from 2020, but what was really driving that? You know, the northern zone saw a total of 29,519 deer taken throughout the various seasons. With 20,463 of those um, estimated being antler, antlered deer. Uh, so that's, you know, meaning that there were, uh, you know, around uh, 9,000 deer that were antlerless that were harvested up in the northern zone versus the 20,463 antlered deer being taken. And it is good to see that up north the youth hunt accounted for 222 deer being harvested, and muzzle loading seasons accounted for nearly three times more deer harvested than archery up in the northern zone. Uh, as I mentioned just a little bit ago over 9,000 deer just a little bit more than 9,000 deer harvested up north were antlerless deer Uh, nearly 17,000 of the 20,000 antler deer were actually harvested during the regular season so you had a pretty light uh, uh, archery season and uh, you know the muzzle loading season still accounted for three times more deer than archery did so you know with 17,000 antlered uh, uh, antlered deer Uh, taken during the uh, regular season Uh, you know it tells you that you know where where those uh, where the challenges really lie up in the big woods hunting. Uh, Northern zone numbers are obviously bigger with over 90,000 antler deer harvested in 2021 and nearly 182,000 total animals harvested throughout all seasons. An interesting number is the September early antlerless season uh, which last year was uh, implemented for the first time and uh, you know it, it it should have been limited to antlerless only deer which it was uh however according to the report there were 55 adult male deer that were antler bucks that were taken um you know i hope there were some tickets that were issued for unlawful unlawful harvest during that time because it should have been antlerless only of course some of those uh, you know uh maybe it was a you know something that you know somebody saw and they thought it was antlerless but it maybe had a short antler uh, still three inches or more, you should be able to see that uh, while you're over a, a firearm. Um, there were a total of 1,863 antlerless deer taken out of that special nine-day season, so that's not bad, and over 1,400 of those antlerless deer were adult does. Uh, 245 button bucks were also taken, representing 12.8% of the total. In fact, 15 per, 15.6% of those deer harvested in that early firearm season were bucks, um, most of them button bucks, so that's you know not a problem. That's going to happen, but 55 uh, antlered male deer, that's uh, that hopefully that gets addressed, and hunters do a better job at understanding antlerless only during those periods in those WMUs. It's not a statewide or not a southern zone wide season. The September season is firearm season, nine day season that is supposed to be. Uh, in specific WMUs like 9A and 9F, and it's antlerless only, folks. I can't stress that enough. Unlike the northern zone, it appears that archery and muzzle loading um, in the southern zone are the exact opposite. With nearly 47,000 deer harvested during the archery season, four times as many taken via via mu- muzzle loader. There were 117,623 deer total taken during the southern zone regular season, 58,126 of those being antlered deer or bucks. And there obviously might have been a few antlered doe thrown in there too. And 59,497 deer taken were antlerless. Button bucks made up approximately 6.2% of the total regular season harvest which translates to 7,283 future bucks. But that's not bad considering the majority of animals harvested in the southern zone. That happens during the regular season and according to the totals, the button buck take makes up 5.3% of the overall total southern zone harvest all seasons, all all zones or all regions within the zone. So that's not bad at all. As I mentioned, the overall harvest was darned sharply this year. Uh, nearly 17%, but the buck take was only off 4.8% with the balance driven by antlerless deer at a decline of 27%. Adult does were down nearly 25% from last year's numbers, which was partially driven by lower DMP issuances in some areas and an archery season that saw 28% fewer total deer harvested than last year, but falling just 2,000 deer or so shy of the five-year seasonal average. Uh, DMP was reduced last year by 7.8%, just under 8%, but harvest on DMP was way off at a little over 27.5%, or nearly 30,000 tags left unfilled versus last year's totals. DMAP, on the other hand, that take was down also, but only 15.2% from last season. Kind of indicates maybe a, a little bit of a shift in, in, in dough population or density in certain areas. Uh, Crossbow success in the southern zone continues to climb, although still not a very significant number, with over 14,000 deer being harvested this year with a crossbow statewide, Uh, and that's up a little more than 3,000 animals. Muzzle loading was fairly flat and uh, the archery take during the archery season, especially in the southern zone, uh, was down 28% in harvest. Youth hunters during the special youth hunt harvested 1,670 animals, which was an uptick of over 36% from last year, and that's illustrative of there was 12 and 13-year-olds now joining the fund, so that's a really good thing too. Turning our attention then to density measurements, the DEC has concluded that buck numbers have remained fairly stable, as is reflected in the harvest numbers across much of New York State. A couple units in Region 9 showed a dip in buck harvest which was 9F and 9G, kind of strange, but most everywhere else was pretty stable or pretty flat from last year with this stability shown in harvest remaining about the same. In the southern tier, however, it looks like an increase in buck harvest has reflected an uptick in the buck density areas uh, in those WMUs that have been traditionally issuing very low DMPs uh, post uh, 2004 and the crash then. however uh you know that 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 is really good and uh you know it's reflective in that southern tone area of wmu's 9r 9w and 9x all showing a 10 to 20 percent increase in the buck take in uh, 2021 over 2020 while 9t saw a a really big increase between 20 and 40 percent and 9s the Allegheny State Park area had a buck harvest indicating density increased over 40%. This increase in ASP harvest could be the result of more hunters hunting the park as hunting rules and regulations have caught up with those changes of uh, allowing Sunday hunting, uh, rifle use now in the southern uh, area, or the western area rather, the uh, Quaker Run area of the park. Uh, Sunday hunting also be allowed in the Quaker Run area of the park. Um, Eliminations park-wide of the uh, shotgun plug Rule. you no longer have to plug your shotgun and limit it to three rounds. you know one in the chamber, two in the mag. you can now uh, you know fully load that that shotgun It's either five or six uh, depending on the length of the slugs that are used or length of the shells that are used, I should say. <clears throat> so there's a lot going in, into that one and into those numbers for ASP. But I think it is uh, uh, several more hunters now hunting the park. Uh, you've also got some bear hunting now in the park, too. And that could have drawn a little bit of additional attention. And uh, you know, maybe you know, if some of those deer were incidental deer takes to a bear hunt. Who knows? Uh, but that's really interesting. Uh, moving west to east, Region 8 showed a slight decline in the buck harvest along the Lake Plain, with the biggest drop coming in Monroe County near the Rochester area in the archery-only area. A slight drop was also noted in 8Y, but 8R and 8P both showed an uptick on buck density with the vast majority of Region 8 being stable. Region 7 showed about half the region's WMU showing stability, while Unit 7A, J, R, and S showed slight declines in the buck density of the harvest. North Country showed stable buck harvest across Region 5 and 6, uh, with WMA uh, 5A and C posting a modest increase in the buck harvest. Uh, And their buck density, the relative buck density. Western regions of region 3 and 4 also showed good buck stability with 4R and 4H posting modest increases in buck take, while 4G saw a significant bump over 40% in the buck harvest density over last season. 4L also posted a modest gain, as did 3N. But the Hudson Valley section of these regions, including the Capital District, posted significant declines in buck density and, uh, you know, the relative harvest with declines well over 40% in units 5T or 4T rather, and 4Y, along with 3C, F, and J. Now these areas uh, were areas that were impacted by the 2021 uh, Epizootic Hemorrhagic Disease outbreak, and that were the areas that maybe were most severe so that could have impacted these uh harvests negatively uh you also had Suffolk County which is Wildlife Management 1c which also posted a greater than 20 percent decline in the buck harvest and we did have EHD hit that as well so uh you know keeping a, a good eye on that uh you know it did it does appear that for the most part the uh, buck density across New York State uh has been uh very stable but, again, there are some changes, and you can now see that in certain areas where they had good increases. Maybe that's because of the uh, low DMP issuances now getting more bucks that are uh, being harvested uh, for more with more frequency. And EHD over in the eastern part of the state could have impacted the number of bucks on hoof. Well, folks, you hear that music. That means I've got to take my first break for the day. But, hey, folks, don't go anywhere at all because we love outdoors with Rich Davenport. will be right back. And welcome back, all you sportsmen and women, and conservationists across New York State and the fruited plain, to the second segment of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport, coming to you from Sagittawanda, New York. Yeah, you know we're under a uh, uh, a a severe thunderstorm warning right now for most of our area. Uh, you know, which is fine. You know, we we've, we've got that summertime uh, 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 volatility where you got cooler air comes in, you got warmer. Uh, warm waters and etc you know you got the different uh, different temperatures in the air aloft and down below it comes together you get the friction you get the thunder you get the lightning it's it's uh it's something that i really love about summertime we do get uh you know thunder snow too every now and again but um you know we've got this uh this warning up uh probably for another hour or so Uh, But hey, that's no big deal. Uh, We're from Buffalo, New York, although there are a lot of people that are making uh, more and more breathless uh, forecasts and releasing more and more doom and gloom and warnings uh, in the Buffalo area like uh, trying to turn us into wussies or something. I don't get it. You know, we've lived through the blizzard of 77, the blizzard of 85. We don't, you know, a little snow, a little rain, a little thunder, a little lightning, a little wind that doesn't bother any of us. We're hardy outdoors folks, right? So, you know, I talked about the buck harvest and the population densities appearing to be pretty stable across most of New York, according to this 2021 uh, deer harvest report that was released by the DEC uh, late last week. And um, I should say late, uh, early last week. Um, But, you know, as one would expect, based on on uh, some of the declines across New York being driven by the antlerless deer and uh, you're looking at doe density you would suspect that based on the summary harvest the doe take being well down across just about all of New York State uh, some notable exceptions were found in in the northern zone where it appears some changes to the muzzleload harvest allowed for antlerless harvest that paid off especially in 6F where a larger than 40 percent increase in the doe harvest was noted however pretty much everywhere across New York State, whether you're talking northern zone or southern zone, uh, capital district, Great Lakes district, uh, Great Lakes uh, plain, uh, you know, you're, you're really looking at a dough harvest that was down between 20 and 40%, with more significant decline in dough take coming from Region 9's middle tier units of 9K, 9M, 9N, and 9P, and also 9X as well. Um, you know, the archery-only area in 8C, uh, the Hudson Valley, Long Island, all seeing greater declines than 40%. You know, it could spell scarce DMP issuances for the next few seasons across much of New York State. However, it is ironic to note that in WMU's 9A, a and 9F, where the early September season was held in Region 9, the harvest of those wasn't up. It was actually flat. Where one might have expected a slight increase in the take, it was just flat. It was just like last year's harvest. Um, so obviously that that kind of goes to the the efficacy of the program, you know, they're trying to fill more DMPs but they're not issuing more DMPs. DMPs could be used during that period of time, but obviously if you fill it in September, you don't have an opportunity to fill it in November or December. So, you know, I think that's pretty interesting that we do have a uh um we do have a flat scenario in 9A um and you know, it's just an observation that in some of these areas, like in 9A, you have a a very conspicuous lack of public land to hunt. So this is all being done, you know, predominantly by folks who are leasing land or, or landowners or who have permission to hunt a landowner's property um you know it's it's not like they're they're going out there on the public land like in allegheny state park where you saw an increase in pressure and a 40 percent increase in the antler deer take uh as a result um you know this isn't in in the public land realm at all this is private land so another view that they've given in these numbers that you can download by the way off the dec website um, is the antlerless deer harvest per antler deer this is the buck doe ratio and you know these things that the zealots always talk about that you need to find as, a, you know, as part of a QDMA approach. Um, you know It's a neat little way to look at the willingness to harvest a doe and also potentially these buck-dough areas in certain, uh, or buck-dough ratios in these certain areas. Um, the western part of the state appears to embrace antlerless harvest more so than our eastern New York brethren. As most uh, regions, or throughout most of regions seven through nine, it indicates that does are harvested at around the same rate of bucks. In some areas, it saw nearly two does taken per buck, with some southern-tier wildlife management units showing two bucks harvested per doe. That isn't surprising, considering DMP allocations being low in these southern-tier WMUs for quite some time. In an attempt to rebuild the buck density, it looks like that's working. In eastern New York... Um, this indicates a larger preference for buck harvest with couple of, um, a couple of WMUs nearly showing equal buck to doe harvests, which seems to have occurred in areas that offer heavy doe harvest. Perhaps um, you know, illustrative of the HD impacts of 2021, not so sure, but um, you know, these these uh, areas predominantly over in the eastern part of the state, they're looking at a buck harvest and uh, they may not be filling doe tags as, as readily. Northern zone has always shown a heavy buck harvest, and not many DMPs are really issued up in the 80k. Um, you know they've been really historically low if issued at all, um, and that's been changing in recent years. But you know, we are seeing where those DMPs are released this past year. You know, the, the take wasn't that uh, it didn't blow the hair back. Let's say I'm sure of the wildlife managers. So who knows what's going to happen with that? Of course, we do have to factor in on the eastern side the EHD impact. Um, But the doe harvest does come at a price involving that incidental button buck take. And in areas with high DMP issuance, it doesn't surprise to see the button buck take accounting for up to 15% of the total antlerless take, 5% to 7% of the total harvest. Um, So in region 9, you've got areas that show a 10 to 15% um, incidental button buck take on DMP, specifically looking just at antlerless only. Um, with issuances uh, where WMUs um, had you know, low, low DMP issuance, the incidental button buck take was between 5 and 10%. In regions 8 and also in region 7, they show a 10 to 15% um, uh, antlerless take being button bucks, um, with the archery only zone of Monroe County showing over 25% of the antlerless take are young of year bucks. High button buck take is also shown in Long Island and also in WMU 3S with most of the eastern signs showing around 10% of that antlerless take being button bucks. Northern Zone obviously comes in best performance. Um, They're in best in class because they don't really issue a whole lot of DMPs and that reflects in a 1-5% to uh, incidental button buck take on antlerless deer or on antlerless take. Uh, But, you know, that's, that's the price you pay to manage that. Uh, reproductive part of the herd, you are going to take some button bucks. It's just going to happen. And I know there are many who love to know the age structure of the buck harvest that's out there and it does appear since 2001, the buck harvest has shown a growing structure of older bucks being harvested across New York State. Uh, as in 2001, over 60% of the bucks that were harvested across the state were one and a half year old animals or or the yearling bucks just starting to sport their headgear. Uh, the statewide harvest now shows that just under 40% of the total buck harvest is made up of one and a half year old animals. And now that's nearly identical to the number of two and a half year old bucks now making up the total antler deer harvest, which is fantastic. So, you know, you've got one and a half year old bucks uh, coming up at forty percent, uh, about thirty-five percent are two and a half year old bucks, and the balance are three and a half year old or older, and that's you know nearly a twenty-five percent uh, accounting of the antler take, whereas that used to be you know maybe ten percent of the total take was those mature bucks or were those mature bucks. So you know this is showing that. The voluntary uh, effectiveness of the "Let It Grow, Watch It," "Let It Go, Watch It Grow" campaign to increase voluntary restraint and educating hunters as to you know if you really want a desire to take a larger, more mature animal, you 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 can't be shooting all those one and a half year olds or the first buck that walks in front of you. That's not to say if you don't value the antlers that you know you get a buck to walk in front of you that may be a, a one and a half year old, seven or eight point. You know, or you know, a four-point or a you know a spike horn, um, uh, you know that's fine too. It's it's not hurting the buck stability, and obviously with the age structure growing, the voluntary restraint is doing you know what it was really hoped to do, and uh, that's got to be to the chagrin of the uh you know the antler restriction zealots that claimed that voluntary never would work. You have to mandate it. It has to be restricted. People have to be put under the 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 jack boot of the game wardens and that 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 da wrong didn't have to do that so that's a good thing. Uh, The number is even reflected in the bucks per square mile harvested where central western uh, zone of New York had a little over 2.5 yearling bucks per square mile harvested. That was back in 2001. Now that figure is down to 1.5 yearlings per square Uh, bucks per square mile and the number of bucks that are two and a half years and older has risen from under one and a half per square mile to 1.8 per square mile after peaking at a little over two per square mile in 2017. So it seems like the hunters do prefer older bucks, older does as well because you know the older does are being taken. That's mostly what are being taken on DMP. Our three and a half year old or older does, um, yearling and two and a half year old does are harvested at about the same rate on DMP. Um, but you know we're we're seeing a, a a bigger preference to older animals, which is fine. Um, you know the hunters are are getting a little more selective potentially, which is fine. But we're also making sure that the hunters are harvesting animals, it's their choice. If they wanna put down a one and a half year old doe or a one and a half year old buck or a two and a half year old buck, they're able to do it. And it's 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 not doing any harm at all. It, in fact, it's filling freezers, it's bringing people back into the sport while also showing that we're having a, a larger uh, percentage of older buck now being taken because of this uh, uh, personal restraint. And we're not seeing a big decline in the buck uh, harvest numbers that we would if it was under a mandatory AR. You see a big decline, 30, 40, 50 percent in the harvest for a few years. You know, you just ask the people in the eastern part of the state that are still under this mandatory AR. It took them a number of years to recover their buck harvest that it was pre-AR days. And I don't don't think uh, all of them have recovered completely but you know you look at it from the standpoint of the harvest and and you know year to year and seeing a relatively flat buck harvest um you know or slightly growing this year it was down just under five percent, but we've seen years where it has grown, and the the ratio and the mix uh or the age structure of the harvest uh according to observations at check stations, according to observations at um at the deer processors that are, you know this biological data is being collected and then extrapolated out, obviously this is you know it should no longer be an issue uh that's brought up to mandate this. I think the hunters are doing a phenomenal job, and you're never going to protect 100% of the one and a half year old bucks based on a point count. Anyhow, because of the genetics, you're actually incentivizing taking the best genetics out earlier. Uh, and over in you know the Western New York area, uh, Western and Central New York, uh, we've got great genetics, six points and eight points. You know, they're they're you know, a lot of those deer are one and a half years old. And, uh, you know, that's not going to move the needle much, but people are waiting. Uh, They're looking for a larger bodied animal and, uh, you know, maybe a wider spread on the rack, maybe a taller spread. You know, they're looking for something that they want to put down, they want to take. And that's the essence of hunting. It's what you are comfortable with, you know, and every take, every deer that you harvest to that hunter, it's a trophy. And, you know, maybe it's not to the guy next to you that's, you know, wanting a Boone and Crockett, uh, you know, book buck every single year. Well, you know, that's, you know, maybe they're fine with that one... That broken off eleven, you know, Pennsylvania eleven point. I like to call them. They, they got the little radar going on. Uh, those those spike horns are, you know, they can be just as important and just as thrilling to to anyone who harvests it. And I hope everyone values those that harvest as for what it is, which is that wholesome meat in the freezer. And boy, I tell you, we do need that meat in the freezer, as you see the the shelves and the prices uh, due to Let's Go Brandon. Right. Finally, a word on reporting compliance. Um, even though there was a slight uptick noted this year versus last year, this, this is still abysmal folks. And you know, the statewide five year average is showing 48.5% of all harvested deer being reported. That means 515 of those deer that are taken are not reported and therefore they're illegal. You know, you ever think about it that way, we really need to you know, start getting our own ranks better at this. And it seems like bow and muzzleloader hunters are more likely to report their harvest than just the straight up gun hunter. Um, And uh, the south uh, or central western hunters seem to have difficulty uh, across all the state of reporting on DMP. As the the hunters in the western and central New York area on DMP, uh, that rate of uh, reporting was at 39%. That's bad. Seems like some hunters are also now ingraining the idea that harvest reporting of deer is optional into the youth hunters. As we started looking into the youth hunt, it's estimated that 55.3% of youth hunters harvested deer and reported the deer in 2021, which is eight points lower than the five-year average. That's not good. Um, That looks like the trend is going in the wrong direction, and the sportsman component of the ranks of hunters needs to get busy and start instilling more sportsmanship in the ranks of hunters to get this reporting compliance up you know, perhaps some transparency would be good, Um, maybe a, a dashboard, a harvest dashboard near real time so we can see what was reported and then, you know, what the estimate is afterwards, but at least keeping ourselves up to date on a trend that's happening. I think that would be something that would be good. It could help in the transparency and increase harvest reporting. In any event, you can download a copy of this report off the DEC's website by visiting https colon forward slash forward slash www.dec.ny.gov forward slash outdoor forward slash 42232.html. There you're going to find the links to the deer harvest, uh, you know, not just this year, but going back in time, including historical archives. And if you're so motivated to do so, you can actually chart your own trend lines going as back as far as the, the reports will let you collect. Um, And it lets you see how the deer herd has grown over time. It's also giving you that additional information such as harvest by WMU, which is something that I didn't cover here, but you can look at it that way. And you can also look at it to the harvest by county. So if you want to track your wildlife management unit and it's progress, or the county that you're in and it's progress, you can go visit that web address and download these things. Um, The data set also has uh, DMAP and DDP included in it as well. And, uh, you know, that's something that's great. And, hey, the title, again, belongs to Bend County with the most deer uh, harvested at 13,001 for the 2021 season. So congratulations there. Well, folks, you hear that music, and, yeah, I'm a little overtime here to take a break. But I'm going to take my second break of the day, so don't go anywhere, folks. Stretch your legs, get a cup of coffee, and We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. We'll be right back. Welcome back all you sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain to the third segment of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport coming to you on Anchor.fm powered by Spotify. Yeah folks I can't believe this is the third segment of this week's episode already and time is just flying it's going by really fast and you know hey just to to finish up on the deer harvest you know I talked about the top county well who were what made the top five? Um, Steuben County and Region 8 had 13,001 total deer harvested. Um, Chautauqua and Allegheny counties came in second in and third respectively each posting over 8,000 deer harvested in each of those counties with Cattaraugus County coming in at just over 7,700 deer harvested. Livingston County routed out the top five uh, uh, deer producing uh, counties in New York State uh, coming in with I think it was around 7,300 deer reported uh, or estimated as harvested last year in that county but uh, you know regions eight and nine are obviously the the factories for deer and uh, you know it's really nice to see that uh, you know, we're, we're still holding on to that title. We got great deer hunting across Western and in, in, in Western New York, in the Southern tier, and into Central New York. Uh, and, you know, it's something that I hope more people will embrace and take advantage of. Uh, you know, it, it is uh, wonderful, and hopefully we'll see, uh, you know, a little bit of normalcy coming back uh, as well. So I'm not putting a whole bunch of pressure on people to fill their freezers, um, you know, due to Let's Go Brandon and, and the, all the meat shortages and such that we continue to endure today. Oh, yeah. Well, moving on right now, you know, the Memorial Day, as I mentioned, you know, just uh, finished up. And that's really the typically the unofficial start of summer here in New York State. And it's also the kickoff to tourist season. That's right. Tourist season is now officially underway. And despite the high gas prices, people all over decided to get out of the house this Memorial Day weekend, probably due to the last few years of being cooped up due to COVID, COVID, COVID. And this was a, you know, an apparent way in many Uh, It was self-evident that people were getting out when you visited any of the state parks uh, like Allegheny State Park where many were found enjoying the newly renovated and upgraded Quaker Lake Beach area uh, and the Beach House. There were a number of paddlers out on the waters. I mean, it was just amazing to see so many people. The weather was cooperative, got a little bit hot on Sunday and Monday, but we had sunshine. Uh, it was a beautiful beautiful weekend to be out um, and you know of course camping season has officially kicked off and DEC Parks and Rec both are promoting the activity even offering frequent camper awards programs to keep families coming back. You know DEC operates 52 campgrounds across New York and most state parks offer campgrounds and cabins to rent and enjoy a long weekend or longer. And DEC campgrounds, you know, although no longer selling fishing licenses, and they're letting everybody know about that and reminding people of that, um, it's a more of a function of technology allowing the state to save some money. As fishing licenses can be bought over the phone or online, and if you download that Hunt Fish New York smartphone app, you got it installed on your your uh, iPhone or your Android, you don't even need the physical license. You know, you can show a DEC DEC ECO. That you have purchased your license through your Huntfish New York app, just log into your account, tie it to it, and that's going to work just fine. You're compliant. So if you get asked, "Hey, where's your fishing license?" and if you order it online or if you phone it in, you know they're no longer mailing out that uh, um, that uh, license, that physical hard copy to you. They're saying you can print it out at home, or you can use your smartphone and just show the ECO your account. You log in, and there it is, and you're fine. So that's that's really good too, and uh, you know you've got this New York Camping Loyalty Program that can save campers money just by enrolling in this online program. You know every dollar spent will give you ten points that can be used for discounts off your next camping visit. Uh, one hundred points equals a dollar, so you know, you know if you spend uh, you know a few uh, reservations out there, you may be able to get a, a you know nice long weekend for free in any one of the parks or the DEC campgrounds um you know that's great and these accounts they're based on individual accounts so you can't combine them so let's say you got three or four folks that have been camping well you can't all pool the points together to get a free weekend doesn't work like that um you cannot trade points you cannot give points to another person um so it is tied to the individual um and it means you need to do a little planning with your camping but if you do camp frequently this could earn you a couple of uh, nights of free stay and a free campsite is always a good thing right i mean Hey, I love to camp, and it is it is camping season right now. And, you know, camping along with hunting and fishing have experienced a heck of a renaissance since the COVID, COVID, COVID cropped up, as many take to various state parks, national parks, private campgrounds, etc., to escape the cabin fever causing lockdowns. And this has been a great thing as people are coming back to it. They remember what they did. They said, hey, this was a lot of fun. You want to do it next year? Yeah, let's do that. Of course, you know, this has become slightly problematic because, you know, although this is great for the revenue to these places, the revenue is up, allowing for upgrades, for remodeling the facilities, the amenities. It also is bringing a degree of overcrowding that has some concern for potential damage our heavy traffic can cause due to some of the delicate ecosystems that make experiencing nature so wonderful the national park system, for instance, along with some parks in New York State, are demanding day reservations. So if you're going to visit for the day, you're going up to the high country, you want to you know, hike some popular uh, hiking trails, you need to call in advance and make sure that you reserve a parking spot so you can go ahead and park, because these parking areas are seeing more traffic than ever before, and it's setting records, which is a, you know, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, um, you know you do have to do a little planning this year um make sure that you are making some reservations, not just to camp for overnight but you know maybe just for the day. Reach out and you know visit the camp via uh, websites and get an understanding of what parks are actually demanding that or what d e c hiking and camping uh areas are demanding that, so you can uh you know avoid a disappointment of getting there and seeing that they 're at capacity right um you know it 's with this a reminder too, you know, I, I do feel that it is my kind of duty to remind people about litter and disposing of your trash properly, you know, when you're bringing things into day camp or whatever. Uh, if you carry it in, carry it out if it's a primitive area. If it's not a primitive area, you know, you've got, you know, camping and picnic areas that are provided in a lot of these parks. They're going to have trash receptacles there. Make sure you avail yourself of this service and use them properly. Otherwise, take your trash, carry it out with you, because nobody wants to see these wonderful wild places strewn with litter that can be very damaging to the ecosystem and the wildlife that lives there. Um, so, obviously, don't be a litter bug. Pick up your trash, dispose it uh, properly, carry it in, carry it out, leave the area cleaner than when you found it, please. It's just something I like to harp on. Um, you know this year i I would be remiss to say that you know Yellowstone Park, which was the first uh national park in the United States of America, is celebrating its one hundred fiftieth anniversary, so that's pretty exciting as well and if you can make uh uh you know make that adventure uh you know to Yellowstone, it is well worth uh visiting in, in Wyoming and California area there i believe uh you know it's really an amazing place. Anyhow, on the fishing front, the walleye bite is starting to turn on during the day on Lake Erie, although most action is still being reported happening at night along the Lake Erie stretches of Woodlawn Beach to Evans Bar to Brockton Shoals and along Barcelona shoreline as well. Um, The walleye bite has been a little bit tough on Chautauqua this year as cooler water temperatures have kept action a little bit slower than what's traditionally expected, but the crappie bite has been pretty good over the emerging weeds when you can find those schools. Weed beds off uh, Lakewood, Nashville Bay as well, as those off of Mayville have been very productive, but you can expect this is tapering off relatively quickly as weeds really start thickening up. Uh, Findlay Lake has shown a, a very solid crappie Uh, fishery going on right now in early May and the weeds have been the place to find them in in depths of six to eight foot of water. A jig and a minnow presentation under a float has worked well but we can expect as the weed harvesting ramps up on that lake you know the fishing is going to slow down in and around those major weed beds. Um, At least it's going to settle down and it'll take, take a little bit of time. Uh, channel catfish are now peaking in the area streams and nearshore waters of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario as well. And just recently, New York saw that state record uh, for channel catfish broken when a 39-pound, 9-ounce uh, specimen was caught from the Black River. So that's really good news. I reported on that last week. Uh, but catfish is really something that is uh, uh, underutilized in New York State, and uh, we hope to see... Uh, more people utilizing that. There is a catfish derby that runs in May uh, along the Pinehurst area all the way down to to Irving and such. Um, And, you know, it is a popular thing, but it's relatively quiet. Hope to get more information on that next year uh, because it is a fun thing to go and, and get out there catfish fishing. And hey, you know I'm going to switch gears here real quick. As over the past few weeks, the fruits of the defund the police push and bail reforms, which basically eliminate bail and set criminals free, are starting to pay dividends with higher crime rates, uh, including sharp rises in murder. And we've recently had two high-profile mass shootings. Sadly, one in Buffalo, New York, at a Topps Markets on Jefferson Avenue, uh, and another just happened uh, as everybody has heard uh, at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. Um, You know, these high-profile cases bring the very predictable calls from the Democrats, always the Democrats, for their wrong-headed solution, which is banning inanimate objects, that being guns, and some even suggesting we got to repeal the Second Amendment. Highly emotional, obviously, these wrong-headed uh, uh, solutions, uh, the emotionalism these high-profile cases bring. Um, It's something as predictable as the sunrise, that the tyranny within the Communist Democrats will never be completely realized until they get rid of the Second Amendment and disarm Americans. But punishing law-abiding people for the actions of a deranged teenager that should have been stopped had law enforcement enforced the laws already on the books requiring reported incidences of mental health referrals and such to the NICS system for flagging, if they were followed none of this would have happened. It's even more tragic that law enforcement in Texas actually let the carnage roll on for nearly an hour before a CBP's tactical team, which was off duty, decided to short charge in and get into there to put down the shooter after a brief confrontation. Apparently signals got crossed and that caused protocols from act for active shooters to be uh, ignored and they thought it was somebody that was barricaded in and whatever. It just unbelievable. But we are getting the usual calls for banning, calls for banning the scary looking semi-automatic rifles with again the deceptive and debunked claims that these are military grade weapons and assault rifles which they are neither. Even calls for raising the minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21 are being recycled Um, And all the while, the mental health issues remain unaddressed, despite the known terrible impacts COVID-COVID-COVID has played for the mental well-being of young people in particular. Of course, how, now, you know, if you raise the age, what does the military do? Does this mean we raise the age for the draft to 21 as well? What about voting age? Do we got to raise that up as well? Some states, like New York, have set an age of 21 to get a pistol permit, but that doesn't impact the purchase of a handgun being, you know, minimum age 21. That's You have to have a pistol permit to purchase a pistol in New York. But, you know, actually setting this, uh, lowering or raising this age, um, you know, that's going to be very, very difficult at best. And, you know, it's, it's again, another knee-jerk reaction uh, to these things that, you know, if we protect our, our assets properly and we do report and follow the laws that are already on the books, a lot of this never would have happened, folks. And that's really the, the case. But, you know, Hochul is calling, you know, that that this needs to be you know we gotta have bands going on, we gotta you know get micro stamping back, and i mean this it, none of this is gonna help. Um, it's just another angle to try to disarm the law-abiding people to uh, you know further the tyranny of the Communist Democrat Party don't be fooled by the emotionalism of this stuff folks because an inanimate object is never going to be where the solution lies it's going to be addressing the evil of people and you don't do that by turning them loose on the streets uh, waving bail etc or giving them amnesty it just doesn't happen well folks you hear that music that's right That means segment number three of the fastest podcast in history is in the can, and i got to take my last break of the day. But folks, don't worry about a thing, and don't go anywhere, because We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport's going to be right back. Welcome back all you sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain to the final segment of this week's episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport coming to you from gloomy Tandawanda, New York but I see some shadows outside it looks like uh, the rain is over uh, so that's a good thing you know we uh, might even get some sunshine before the sun sets today so that's always good um, you know it is a, a difficult thing that uh, uh, you know, with these mass shootings, and, and my heart goes out to everybody that was a victim of this. Uh, I don't mean to to belittle or diminish the, the pain that is felt um, by the families and the communities when such a, an evil act is, is perpetrated on an unsuspecting community and on innocent people. But we don't punish law-abiding people for the actions of criminals. We punish the criminals. And you don't go after an inanimate object that had absolutely... You know no choice in the matter. it was the the person that decided to choose that weapon of choice to use against people for their evil deeds. That's what we need to really focus on. We certainly don't uh, make progress by taking away the rights of three hundred million people because of the actions of one person. Think about it that way, folks, because that's really how you need to think about this uh, you know we're we're going about things the wrong way we're going to continually have problems if we follow the Democrat plan. Uh, You know, we need to get tough on crime and we need to get better at, uh, you know, addressing the mental illness part of this whole equation here because that's really what's going on. Um, You know, in some legislative news, you know, we've got a session that is uh, still going on in Albany, but with a little bit of luck, that session is going to end tomorrow with no movement on certain things. But one thing that did pass the Senate and the Assembly uh, is the opt-out law. Uh, that had been proposed last year, prompting uh, uh, you know the DEC to go ahead and and uh, you know write some uh, regulations uh, that would uh, you know obviously uh, uh, allow counties to opt out of this holiday hunt down in the southern zone of New York. Uh, there 's a lot of problems with this you know the bill is a 7785s sixty five ten that 's passed it 's been sent to the governor i 'm recommending that everybody reach out to Governor hokul and you know tell her to veto this ask her nicely, veto this bill because there are so many problems with this. you know the bill um, you know allows counties to, that a legislator to opt out of the holiday hunt regardless of whether or not a private landowner you know has the desire to uh, Engage in this duly established season that was created by the De state DEC, which has supremacy in wildlife management activities. By the way, um, you know, write, email, and call Hoke's office. Don't delay. Uh, there are a lot of problems with this bill. That, you know, she needs to veto it is unnecessary and nonsensical. I mean, after all, we learned last year in stark illustration that without the snow, you don't have any snowmobile spurred economy. And this is what this is all about. You know, the snowmobilers are upset that they might lose the week before, you know, between Christmas and New Year's for sledding and the economy, da-ba-dee-ba-boo. You know, but more concerning is the ability of a county legislature and a county executive to pass a local law that denies property owners their choice to hunt a duly established season on their lands, whether a snowmobile corridor trail runs across their lands with their express permission or not. Wildlife also doesn't know county boundaries and several WMUs across county lines. Could this have an impact on population assessments and DMP allocations down the road? Seems to me, you know, that it well could. And how about enforcement? ECOS, the Environmental Conservation Officers, will not enforce a locally crafted and passed county, or town, or city ordinance. That will be up to the sheriffs. In this case, it'll be a county ordinance, and it'll be up to the sheriffs to enforce it. And they don't have the same powers related to wildlife and entering private lands that the ECOS do. Um, you know, how about? understanding and identifying whether or not it's actually a deer hunt that's you heard with that shot and not a small game hunt or waterfowl. You know, goose is open at that time of year and people hunt them in in cornfields and such. What about target practice? How about coyote hunting? That's all open during this period of time as well. The law is truly unenforceable and it's unnecessary, especially for activities that coexist simultaneously in the northern zone already, not to mention coexist simultaneously across all the neighboring states that we have that support both activities. There's also no movement yet to uh, report, knock on wood, on the lead ammo bill, but other bills that have popped up, um, A-10503 and S-9458, this would would establish the need to hold a license to own a semi-automatic firearm, which is basically half the firearms already owned in New York. And I am sure that the SCOTUS case that's currently up, uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association's case that is currently uh, awaiting the decision to be released um, will probably dictate exactly what uh, these tyrannical Democrats are going to try to do in terms of licensing and firearms registrations, et cetera. But anyway, you know, the, the the session done as, does end tomorrow. And barring any calling of a special session by the governor, let's hope that nothing moves and no more damage can be done until next year to our state, God willing. I mean, there's enough damage that has been done to the state and being done to the state um, with this green new nightmare that uh, uh, the Communist Democrats continue uh, to push, yet they're continuing to hit craters along the road to implementation, making the potholes that we could then with every winter and spring just mere bumps in an otherwise smooth roadway. Uh, those craters are the truth bombs of this renewable energy push that, you know, the the Democrats are trying to, you know, tamp out this fire, that fire, they're playing whack-a-mole now, trying to suppress this and that, but more and more is coming out every day, and it's like, a like you know, the, the kid with the finger in the dike, it, he doesn't have enough fingers anymore, and eventually this is all going to come crashing down on the Democrats, and it's going to really hurt them. Or it's going to hurt all of us in the energy, uh, poverty, and third world nation that we're going to suddenly enter. Um, you know These truth bombs are popping up in inopportune moments, but they turn out to be godsends to the people that are trying to, you know, to get yoked under the guise of saving the planet, but it's really communism in disguise. First, we got the skyrocketing costs of fuel, not just for vehicles, but also for home heating. Energy underpins everything, folks. And, you know, the out-of-control inflation is directly related to the throttling of American energy by the Let's Go Brandon administration while they lie to your face claiming the pol- their policies of shutting down pipelines and voiding oil and gas leases, which stifled the American supply on the uh, global oil markets, had no impact at all. It was all Russia, Russia, Russia. Right. The real solution is obvious. Ramp up our energy production back to the levels that were before Let's Go Brandon uh, walked into this office. Instead, stupidity and being holded to ideology, the Democrat morons instead are deciding to further um, compromise our energy security by releasing oil from the strategic reserves to bro- drive prices down, and that didn't work either, folks. It only changed it a few pennies, but those moves did a lot of harm to our national security. And if the war on you, you know, in the Ukraine escalates, or even worse, China makes moves on Taiwan, you know, we may need that reserve. And throwing those reserves at the consumer uh, for trying to impact the price. Um, because your own policy has driven it up is at best irresponsible. It's At worst, worst, it's treasonous. Now comes word that New York State will be starting today and running through the end of 22. They'll be going to be suspending the fuel tax to bring prices down for consumers. Counties that are passing these local laws pursuant to some state legislation passed earlier this session which caps the county portion uh, of uh, the state gas tax to a specified limit uh, versus continually rising with the retail price as this tax is basically based on percent of retail it 's not a fixed pennies per gallon like most states do. New York has you know professional vampires in play here. Um, you know, this this suspension of the gas tax may reduce prices at the pump by up to 40 cents per gallon by some claims, but it's actually going to do absolutely nothing to slow down cost increases caused by escalating raw material costs, that would be the price of oil on the global market, and shipping costs to get the oil to the refinery because we've shut down the cheapest way to do it, that's through pipelines. Without those steps being implemented, you know, getting production back up to reduce the global market cost of oil and also opening up the pipelines to reduce the cost of getting oil to the refineries so we have cheaper gasoline, I'm afraid that you're going to see, you know, maybe 30 to 50 cents uh, a gallon lower, but then oil prices are going to continually climb, eating up that decline that was, you know, uh, you know, suspending the tax, but now made up with $130, $140 a barrel uh, oil, which drives the price of gas up. And then we have this expiration of this gas holiday, this tax, and suddenly that $4.90 a gallon will be five fifty or 6 bucks a gallon, and it's going to be sticker shock. Everybody will scream, and of course, the Democrat Party is going to blame price gouging. You know, it's the oil companies making record profits. Well, you know, if you're a math major, you know that 5% of 100 is more than 5% of 10. So they're not gouging, though they 're not gouging at all they 're just trying to make a living and they 're making five to seven percent. The taxes are where the gouge is actually happening, and of course, when they they put this tax holiday in you know some people are estimating that it could impact the tax revenue to New York state's coffers by you know half a billion dollars or more. Well, you know what 's going to come next come twenty twenty three they 're going to start screaming that we need a tax increase we've got to tax the rich we've got to increase increase increase. Don't get fooled, folks. They're playing kabuki theater and they're playing emotional games on you. The only thing we need to do is up our energy production. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to eliminate all the subsidies for those renewables that are not doing anything and never will do anything, but cost us more money, and then put us into energy poverty by creating a scarcity of energy that's available, and that's going to harm us even more. It's not going to make anything better. But, you know, there are those that are screaming about, well, we should, you know, with gas prices, if we only would have embraced the renewables sooner, that's a lie, folks. That's a BS lie, and they're covering their their you-know-what trying to trick you when in actuality it is bad, bad energy policy. It's bad for America. It's even bad for the environment with all of the lands and the lives that are taken for things that don't work. It's just you know the amount of square miles versus a couple hundred acres to get no energy versus a lot of energy off a small footprint – this is the most irresponsible thing in the world, and they're saying, well, if we did it sooner, no, we shouldn't do it at all. But, you know, of course, we've got elections coming up, and elections have consequences, and I really, really hope that we will, um, you know, put an end to this stuff once and for all. We've got to got to change the course of our, our state and our country, and we've got to do that starting in 2022. With the governor of New York and with the state senate, uh, you know, of New York, we need to get this back to uh, Republican control. And also, you know, get control of the House and the Senate at the federal side. But we have some perplexing developments up in New York 23, where Chris Jacobs is running to represent this newly drawn district. It's a dark red district. And after the top shooting, Jacobs has gone to do his, well, I might, might be willing to support an assault rifle ban, which, again, is wrong-headed and pandering. Um, And that's probably one of the dumber moves that Jacobs has made, and it puts his election chances in real jeopardy. But there isn't really anyone primarying him, but I have heard that Nick Langworthy might might go ahead and, and jump in for a primary on that seat. The primary for the New York Senate isn't until August, so there's time. However, he has been a staunch advocate in protecting the Great Lakes from the folly of wind turbines and he does have a bill sitting up there at the house to try to put a, a an elimination of the subsidies for any offshore freshwater development of these things and we would certainly hope that that would gain traction but you know it's with all the things that are going on right now with the number of alarm bells that are taking place as we get rid of coal and nuclear to try to replace that with wind and solar which will never happen by the way um, it just, you know, logic, science, reality tells you otherwise, um, you know, you're seeing more and more people in more and more states warning the residents that this year you could see rolling blackouts, not just in California where they've been hampered by drought and their their uh, hydroelectric power uh, is, you know, really, really heavily uh, hammered by the drought and low reservoir conditions. Um, but, you know, you've got states like uh, Michigan warning of rolling blackout potentials. New Mexico is jumping into the fray as well. And it's all because of this push for the insane wind and solar. And it's it's just, it's not something that's going to be workable, folks. I've gone through it before. I'll spend a lot of time on that, uh, you know, uh, in the next episode. But you hear that music, folks. You know, I'm I'm just, I've got to end it today. I've run out of time and it's really sad. You know, I have more to talk about, but that'll be for another show, and next week I'll go ahead and bring you that. Like, you know, the New York State uh, DEC has in you know extended the uh, public comment period for the Climate Council's draft scoping plan. That's now going to run through July 1st, and we're still waiting on the redo of NYSERDA's Great Lake Offshore Wind Feasibility Study. You know, that groundbreaking never-before-done uh, until 2010 study, you know, because it was already done. Anyhow. I've got to get going. There's that music, folks. And, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure being with you today. And I hope you found this uh, episode of We Love Outdoors both educational and informative. But I've got to go. But don't worry about a thing. Those wind turbines aren't built. Fishing is hitting full swing. And, folks, I'll see you next week. Same bad time, same bat channel. God bless.